Welcome to CFO Insights, the leading podcast for finance professionals in disruptive tech, brought to you by the Startup CFO community. I'm Guy Hutchinson, and I'm the host of the podcast, as well as being a tech CFO. In this episode, we're going to talk to Aaron Arwan, Finance Director at HomeTree. Aaron takes us through his early career, building an understanding of how a wide range of financial roles can set down the foundations for the future. We hear about the steps he took to really understand startups and to select an early stage company with great prospects. And along the way, he shed some light on the value he sees in well thought out career breaks. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, it's brilliant to have you on. Um, so you and I have been talking about doing this for quite a while. Actually, I think since we got the idea that we would do the podcast. Uh, and one of the reasons is that when you and I have you know, met up, had a beer or coffee or whatever, um, we've often talked about our different careers and what we've done with uh, tech startups and work, working with founders. Uh, and I realized that you've had this really interesting career journey which has been really diverse and very varied um, and it would just be a great topic to pick up yeah no i'm glad to share it yeah well look um, so so look we should start off early on right so kind of i think most of us in the group the majority are accountants and so so, so it's interesting just to see like like how did your journey start um when did you start to think about startup world and tech and what what what, what building blocks did you assemble did you approach that yeah, I mean, let's go from the start, right? Because uh, the context is always helpful. Um, so I think I had probably like a, a slightly different approach to most um, because I uh, entered the profession uh, as a school leaver. So I was quite young, quite adamant, um, but I didn't want to pursue a traditional further education. I just wanted to go and get an apprenticeship and, and, and do it. Um, so I joined um, a large accounting firm uh, initially in the accounts team and then just progressed as normal kind of through their graduate program and moved around a bit, did a bit of time in tax, uh, but most of it um, in audit. And then uh, along the way, I picked up um, the normal qualifications, starting with AAT, which is a very entry level qualification, and then latterly um, ACCA. And I, I just think the nice the nice thing about that is that kind of when I reflect and look back, like you can become, you can climb the ladder um, using you know many different routes, being uh, a grad and MBA, coming coming to it later stage. You can do you can do whatever you want, but um, uh, if you, you kind of work hard and luckily if you pick the right the right industry uh, and you you're quite good at it, then you know you can you can climb the ladder. Yeah, and that and that approach that that's still out there right i mean there are still really good accounting firms where you don't have to have like a whole bunch of academic you know criteria that you might need for deloitte or wherever um and somehow that that, that that's actually bringing us a broader spectrum of people into roles like us absolutely it's, it's more prevalent now i think when i did it it was you know over 15 years ago and relatively unheard of and um nowadays there are actual school uber programs um, to encourage it. So I think it's a lot more accessible um, than it was. And, you know, I used to say 15 years ago, I, d I didn't see myself as a, a stereotypical accountant. Um, but, you know, that kind of stereotypical accountant's uh, long gone now. So, yeah, it really is for anyone. 
Fantastic. And 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 um and and sort of what, what what things did you see in your early career that kind of made you think about the kinds of experience that you'd seek to achieve? I think I just really uh, liked engaging with um, actual businesses, kind of in the region where I worked. I think it just kind of um, brought things to life. You had, you know, there's a couple of clients which were, you know, exceptional and grown really quickly and hundreds of millions of pounds of turnover and super profitable. And I just found that really, really, really interesting that um, a lot of these people have built these uh, businesses from from nothing. Um, and actually, I've seen like two or three of them uh, IPO later in life. I mean, I had nothing to do with them in that stage, but I kind of recognize these businesses that I used to look after when I was, you know, um, 18 or in my early 20s. And it's just nice to see that actually how well they've done. Um, so I think for me, that's what kind of I liked about everything. It's not necessarily um, what a business does, just kind of the art of um, business itself. Yeah, yeah, and and when you have that type of role where you see lots of businesses, you also realise how how hard it is to get to that scale and to be a successful business that makes decent profits. Right, it's not an easy thing. And um, yeah, how how did that stage kind of inform your thinking about doing doing some sort of corporate finance work later on? I th I always heard like I was um, I was told it was too commercial just to stay in audit, and I think. I think I think that's the case with probably most people who have the desire to to leave audit. Um, I was there for six or seven years, and kind of at the end of that, I felt like I needed a career break. So I think I think it's a good thing to do every ten years, um, regardless. But I think I just had become a backwards-looking, box-ticky accountant, and it, it it was great. I was happy that I was qualified and had a profession but I kind of knew there was so much more to it I didn't know exactly what um, but I, um, I saw people even in my office there was one or two corporate finance guys that used to visit every now and then and kind of got talking to them about what they did and um, how they did it and it just it really interested me um, so I at that point I was taking a career break anyway I had enough and I kind of traveled the world for a year and started doing bits of research into what corporate finance was and um, what the guys did and what it meant and then I kind of um, on the on the flight back or in the airport back I applied for a few jobs and landed and got an interview with um, BDO's corporate finance team in the Midlands and you know, it was really 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 intrigued by it actually and, you know luckily got the job and I think I did my traveling for about three weeks got myself a haircut and then went to work yeah great so that 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 piece where you can take a break from a a sort of career journey that might have been a bit of a conveyor belt <clears throat> and really allow yourself to think more clearly about exactly what type of things excite you um i think that can be really powerful and probably enough like we don't see enough people taking career breaks so they can really think about these things clearly and then when you looked at corporate finance right so that's all about supporting transactions uh, he says with a noisy helicopter going over. Um, like, what, 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 what were the major things that that, that you're often sort of concerned by um, when you work in CF and you're looking to um, support those sort of transactions going through? Yeah. So most most of my work was um, in the transaction services part of um, corporate finance, and that's basically financial due diligence. So it's just making sure that um, the buyer really knows 
um, what they're getting uh, and, you know, how the business has changed in the past and how close um, um, an independent expert thinks um, the business is going to be to its forecast. And it's just about, like, hot, um, surfacing information and risks so that um, a buyer can make an informed decision um, if they want to um, proceed. I think the other part really actually is the, the, although the work's brilliant and it does teach you to be super forward looking and um, super commercial, um, it can be treated as a bit of a, a commodity, right? Um, you are in effect some form of insurance policy um, in case things go wrong. And you know the, the people who are the CFO that's buying this business will be accountable to his board and needs to make sure he's you know done his homework and taken the uh, the right precautions as well so some some deals and some some of the approaches and some of the reports and some of the projects weren't the most enthralling um but most of it was um was was really helpful and it, it's definitely been the best job i've ever had in terms of um learning and interest and, and excitement like um did a number of ipos um i flew to south africa to uh try and buy a diamond mine for someone like it was it was super 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 um entertaining but at the same time it was also really challenging i think i think it's changed now i think the whole um approach is a bit a bit nicer um but when i was doing it i found the you know you were you had to work extremely hard um and you know it, it was very much a work hard play hard um approach yeah so that, that that's broadly the reputation of the corporate finance space though isn't it is that you are more focused on deals than if you worked in audit or something like that or tax even um and because you focus on deals there's these big spikes in activity um and perhaps that brings a certain <coughs> culture with it about kind of working hard working late um things being sort of delivered on time uh, but at some level, I think that culture is not a million miles off what you see in startup world, really, where you get these periods of great pressure and um, some of those behaviours are very similar to what you see in tech startups. Yeah, it's about results really at the end of the day. And actually, I had um, a bit of a hard ass for a manager. Um, but when I look back at it, I actually, you know, I, I don't think I'd have learned as well without it. So, you know, would I put myself through that again now I'm in my... 30s rather than my 20s Pro probably not especially not the learning part but actually like you know the fact the fact that i put the work in and the effort in in my 20s has allowed me to elevate and be where i am today so you know i look back with you know very fond memories and, and probably wouldn't change anything yeah yeah fantastic and then um after that stint what was the next area that loomed into your sights well i, I think after five or so years, and it was an environment where it was quite hard to to climb the ladder. Ultimately, I realised I wouldn't be a partner. Um, you know, which was fine. You know, partnerships not for everyone. Um, and I kind of had come to the realisation that I was sitting on the wrong side of the table. I'd worked on a couple of you know normal size, um, medium medium sized businesses where. The, the, you know, I, I thought a very average FD was in place or a good enough FD and he'd walked away with, you know, several million pounds after after the deal and maybe after a series of, 
of private equity deals, you know, primary buyout, secondary buyout, whatever. And I just kind of thought, well, you know, I'm absolutely on the wrong side of the table. I'm earning, you know, a decent income and I might get a bonus, but um, it's nothing like actually um, operating a business, running a business and executing it for yourself. So I wanted to um, sit on the other side of the table. And I thought, um, you know, at the time I was a, I was a manager, I had I know, 10 plus years worth of finance experience. I wasn't ready to be um, the finance director of a, a, a private equity backed business. And I didn't think I'd climb the ladder very quickly if I just went and found, you know, a, a large enough business and uh, climbed through the ranks. So I thought, you know, actually, let's try and do it in startups where the businesses are smaller and more containable and I've probably got more, uh, a higher chance of landing a role and um, more time to learn. So I was, a few of my friends had startups anyway, so I started kind of helping them out just for free and, ju and just learning um, and just kind of said, actually, this is a, this is a, a sector I really like, so I'm going to go for it. So I, I left um, BDO and joined um, a small startup accounting firm. And um, the idea there was to kind of build a portfolio FD service or an outsourced FD service rather. Um, and that was great, actually. Like I then um, was working with small businesses, which I, I really love. I, I still love. I think that's, to be honest, if I'm going to target any size business going forward, I'm going to lean to the smaller rather than the larger. Um, and um, I did 18 months there in the end, but actually, like what I learned about startups and the way they work, and you know, the ecosystem founders was was extremely rewarding and built a great network which um led to future roles yeah and, and it sounds like that that 18 month period it just allowed you to sort of soak up a lot of knowledge about these early stage businesses to meet a few founders and to get an idea as to how that tech scene was shaping out because it was still kind of during that window when there was huge growth in london's tech scene um and then how did that help you think about the business that you chose because you picked home tree as your next role and kind of what 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 were the criteria there that that, that really drew you in i think so first of all i think the the kind of the time of small businesses and, and startups at, um, at mass scale so doing loads at once just um kind of refocuses you at the right level um and you, you learn so much that you just you know weren't even aware of and uh, you relearn a lot, a lot of the basics in some respects as well. Um, and then uh, I did a a, a year at a, a private equity back business, and then I, and then I went to Home Tree. And I think what was I looking for? I think it was quite simple. What I saw was a, a almost an almost on a unit economic basis, but I saw a really high um, average order value, um, a decent gross margin, and um, kind of uh, a large market to attack. Mm. Um, so that's what attracted me like, kind of initially. I was trying to think, okay, this business is, you know, um, it, it, it had been established, it had done a seed round um, and was um, making great progress and was, you know, had some good um, press and some good PR. Um, and I just kind of, 
and I, I, I quite closely related to what they were doing. So at the time, I think I was having, I was putting um, an extension in my house um, uh, using kind of the conservatory as the base. And the guys came out to quote and they did the typical thing of, oh, that'll cost you 50 grand. And then by the end of the conversation, it, you know, worked its way down to 15 or whatever. And it, it just made me smile that kind of I saw the, um, that, that it could happen to that industry too. Uh, you know, and that was prime um, to be taken on, like you digitised, essentially. Mm. Um, and I think that's what really appe- appealed to me. And then I met the founder, and I think kind of the founder um, sold it to me, really. Um, and and that's, that's it's such a critical part of it. And I didn't think it was so important back then. Or I, I think I just didn't pay enough attention to it. And now I'm so much more aware of the kind of that relationship you have with the founder. And... Um, their personality and their character is such a fundamental base for how successful the next X years will be. Yeah, I think so. I think nearly all the startups I've been with, the business reflected the personality of the founder. And so when you're spending time with that person, they're bringing lots of energy and a vision for the future and being able to hire great people, even when the business is quite small still and doesn't have lots of resources. it's incredibly important and uh, you know, I, I think it's also interesting that, that you were clearly welding that together with this idea of strong strong margins and unit economics and that the total addressable market was obviously significant. So so you're kind of molding the two by the sound of things. And um, you know, you've been there for five years. It's been a kind of really strong run and, and, and from things you mentioned earlier, um, a huge, variety of things have happened in that time and you've been involved in driving lots of change so it'd be really interesting just to pick a few things that uh have been great learnings during that kind of home tree journey and initially i had when i joined there was a cfo above me so i picked up um some of the core fundamentals that you should anyone should know when they're entering into a startup or you know on that journey um you know such as cac and um uni economics um like uh runway all that good stuff the kind of the 101s for startups that kind of were um gifted to me quite early like this is what you should be looking at and this is how you should look at it this is why it's important so you know that was kind of a now you're um you're properly in industry right you're you're not in any form of practice you're not an advisor you're an employee of this business to help us grow this is this is what's important that was super helpful because it was signposted you didn't have to figure it out yourself um and then kind of uh, after that we we pivoted the business and i i was on my own but i had it you know um some good foundations there and then it is very much um learn as you go and you know be adaptable and um work really hard to have good relationships with your team. Um, I think the, there's loads of little um, or big projects and events that stick out, but the overriding theme is the roller coaster, right? I think every six, you know, every three months, you know, you, um, you flip from peak to trough, so whether it's pulling off a great funding round or a not so great funding round or a really bad piece of news that you suddenly have to completely change the way you were doing things to 
be allowed to continue. Um, so dealing with that um, emotional roller coaster is really hard. And ultimately, actually, though, I think it's it's hard for anyone who works in a startup and is relatively senior. But it's actually hardest for the for the founder and for the CEO. So I think just to help and take a bit of the pressure off them um, is good. But then actually, at the end of the day, you, when you're reflecting, I think you can see that you know it. Although it it's a startup and you want it to work for you, you, you want to have an exit when it's not your business. It is, it, it is a job. It is just a job. Um, and yes, you've got an element of skill in the game. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's not everything you are. Um, yeah, it's slightly different, isn't it? Cause you see the founders are feeling it all even more intensely than you are as part of the, the uh, C-suite. So all of those roller coaster kind of moments that, that feel really big in the CFO chair must be even bigger for the founder. But then on the other side of the coin, to some degree, the founder can control major events such as when your exit might happen. And to some degree, the rest of the C-suite are a passenger, aren't they, for things like that? I think, yeah, I think kind of what my more recent learnings on that is make sure you're heavily involved and help to shape the direction of the thing of the things that you carry the things that are within your your job remit right so you know mm. when when do we need to do the next round when's a good time um to exit um you know how much money do we need what do you think the budget should be all that all the good stuff that is super finance focused be all over and you know be passionate about putting your view and your opinion across and spend your time and doing that i think some of the more operational things where you might be a good um a good person to leverage off because you've got you know a finance background like a, um, an example could be like um, a payment processing system right oh you know the finance guy should be involved in that because that's money actually it's a very you know operational thing a very producty thing you should just um let the people who are in charge of that do that so you can spend your time and effort um doing what's the mo most important that's interesting and, and and like when you look back at those years um which of the sort of which of the projects you were involved in which, which one felt like it drove the most value which one was the one that was most sort of you know transformative for the business that would be definitely the um um a activity we did so we acquired um uh the, our closest uh, competitor above us and you know it wasn't um necessarily a, a massive deal compared to the funding we'd taken in um but the the learnings were huge mm. and then also you know the um kind of the economic reasons why we did the deal um were like uh, an absolute no-brainer. It, it was a brilliant. It was um, very well thought, thought through and put together. And then actually, like post deal, everything we learned was good. Like sometimes you do a deal and you go, like, "Oh, it isn't quite what I expected." Like we had the absolute opposite. Like I think every the more and more we learned about this business and the more and more time we spent with them, kind of the happier we were. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good um, example of actually where M and A can um accelerate uh what you're trying to do with startups you know um sorry why build it if you can buy it right it's the same approach to uh, lots of things in startups so actually if you can get something off the shelf that works you can then iterate and change in the future 
you know you can do that on a larger scale with um with m a as well so it's 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 a really good tool that we have at our disposal and actually i think it's going to be um very prevalent over the coming year um yeah opportunities yeah. as funding dries up i was going to say i'd say uh, i think you know tech m a will break all the records in 2023 i think it'll be a huge year there'll be lots of acquisitions not not always at amazingly high valuations no uh, but but some of it is a race to the safety that scale gives you so having having scale will tend to give you safety of sorts uh, and there'll be certain um businesses that, that are nice little tech businesses that would probably go somewhere that perhaps in this window would just do better to be acquired and be mergers with something that has some really good synergies yeah i think there's um I think there's a lot of um, rubbish out there as well, actually. Um, uh, stuff that unfortunately kind of will die and kind of needs to die so people can um, move on and focus on the um, ones that are really going to deliver. Yeah, that's that's probably a whole 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 other podcast, just picking through um, the fact that there must be quite a few zombies lurching around in the tech ecosystem that, um, yeah, if we hadn't had a big spike in funding uh, in 2020 and early 2021, just wouldn't be around now. But but they are still around and they're and they're not going to become um, great businesses, you know, anytime soon. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a whole there's a whole new thing there that would be worthy of a podcast. Uh, and and then Aaron, like if we just pick um, sort of how you're looking at the world now, right? So 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 you you mentioned earlier that you got a huge amount of value earlier in your career out of this career break and now you're looking to take a similar career break now yeah i think i've um i've been at home to you now for coming up to five years and um um the stars have aligned in terms of uh timing and new hires we've made that um means it's a good time for me to exit the business um and take some time off so kind of going back to what i said earlier about vowing every um 10 years or so to take some time off um so that's what i'm doing but i'm at the very start of it really um so i've had a few weeks now um and just really just time to um properly reflect reflect so i think having time off and decompressing is very important that's very helpful um properly reflecting and thinking about what i've enjoyed and not enjoyed over the last five years um to help me decide you know um, what I want to do next and um, to what extent. So I think for me, the example is kind of what I realised is I'm I'm most impactful over the first couple of years. And I actually see, you know, four or five years of um, blood, sweat and tears in a, in a VC back business is actually almost too long. And you know where i am right now in my life do i want to do another five years of of um roller coasters you know probably probably not 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 right now um i always flip between um oh i want to go and work for a vc back business or i want to go and work for a p back business um so i think at some point in my career i will i will revisit it in the future whether that's uh, as a cfo or a founder i don't know um I think right now, I think I'm looking forward to not having such dramatic swings and maybe just either going and doing something by myself, which is like kind of like a small business 
or maybe go and finding a, a very small PBAT business or a business that wants to exit its PE and to help them. So yeah, just I think some time away from from startups um, is good for the soul to recuperate and then um, hopefully uh, another in the future. Aaron, we should have a look at some of the elements that, 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 that you've learned in your career and what, what type of things we should flag for finance people who want to work in tech startups and really help them understand what, what things you're actually doing when you're FD or CFO in a tech startup. Yeah, so and first and foremost, like you are going to be either the only person in finance or the number one in finance, and you will be relatively senior in that business and likely on the management team. So you'll be running the business, right? Um, so you, you can't just say, oh, I'm only going to do finance and head down, or that you need to prioritize your own area, but you'll be running a business. So just the normal um, trials and tribulations that come with that, management meetings, decision making, et cetera, which is um new if people haven't done it before and you've come from practice but also actually a um a brilliant experience and one that um the finance qualification and um finance experience is is really helpful for so don't forget about that one is you will likely um be involved in uh, running the business maybe to only a small degree but it's definitely a good skill that you you pick up um secondly you will then be responsible for anything money that money related, so for looking after the pounds, and also a lot of the time, especially in early stage businesses, anything that looks like a number, people will turn around and look to you, um, which is strange um, because that can be quite operational, and you have to go through a period of um, educating um, your colleagues say actually no you know this is this is an operational metric although it is a number you need to own it or even though if, if it is a pound note you still need to own it and i can help you but it's your responsibility so and that depends on the, the um stage of startup you join yeah but people will, will look to you as oh he's an accountant he's good with numbers he, he should be in charge of that and you have to go through that journey with um like a lot of people in the business and especially um those that are more more senior the learning thing is is really helpful um because you know, early stage accountants or because normally from if you're an accountant you've got your head buried in numbers so actually to lift your your head up and look around is a super important lesson um and then actually what you'll find is at the same time is that um everything's a mess um and that's okay and that's what it should be like kind of when you are pre-seed seed kind of series a um it it's kind of allowed to be a mess and you're allowed to deep dive but i think once you really start uh, maturing as a, a business or growing you know there comes a point where you have to let it go um and you have to just be able to focus on um what is fundamental and to survive and to achieve your goals and trust everyone else um, to get on with it. So embedding those lessons early on, you know, this is your number, this is your area, you own it. This is how I think it should be done. Um, yeah, uh, and, and, and critical. And like, how was your experience, right? So a lot of CFOs in our group, uh, if we do a meetup 
you know, as a startup CFO thing, a lot of CFOs will talk about working with founders, founder partnering, and often things you've got to do as the CFO to fill the gaps that might come with the founder. I mean, what 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 was your experience in that kind of area? Um, so I think luckily, um, my last business, um, the, the founder I worked with was very um, financially literate, which which really helped. I think that's probably um, shaped me for future preferences. But fine. Um, for me, what I what I think where I think I was most helpful with being a sounding board was for him to have an opinion and a viewpoint, and then to be able to discuss it with me for me to share any ideas I had and then reflect. I think that's that was the key thing why the relationships work so well and then actually why we made really good sound financial decisions were because we could quite easily talk um, on a kind of no ego basis quite directly and come to the right conclusion. Um, so that was for, for him that was useful I think. I think the other thing is um i think you're there to protect the founder as well i think and, and by that i mean um to help sense check their some of their decisions um whether that is for you being the adult in the room um you know the grown-up the one who's better at governance or just a bit of experience um or a bit of uh, reality because founders are always ambitious um so i kind of that's what i kind of term protecting the ceo and i think there's loads in there i think it's so wide but just just keeping like accountants are very much um risk averse and conservative and actually the great thing about startups it kind of actually it, it stops you being so risk averse and it makes you try things which actually i really i think i look back on uh, I think that's a brilliant skill that actually is very valuable going forwards. Um, yeah, and it's just I, being I, that supporting the, the supporting um, drummer to the lead singer. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the, the the one thing that I've seen that I think is absolutely fascinating is, I think when you see a CFO working closely with the founder, uh, the CFO, particularly if they've got this accountancy background, they will over time become much more tolerant of risks, particularly well thought through risks that are calculated risks. Uh, but also in the other direction, I think you see the founder beginning to respect that person for trying to balance up some of the riskier things that the business might be doing. And perhaps like the two are coming a little bit closer on the spectrum in terms of the, the kind of risk adversity spectrum. And I think it's a fascinating thing that I've certainly seen myself and have heard secondhand through you know many of our members when you know, spend time having chats with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, if, if I look back on, you know, what I've learned, um, you know, taking risks is a huge part of that, whether that's personally in my, my career, oh, let's go and work with startups, or actually, you know, whilst when you're in a startup, you know, you know, find this advertising campaigns, you know, um, completely unknown what the result would be but if we don't try it we won't find our sales channels so i think the whole the whole experience over the last you know five plus years has heightened my risk um appetite um so much i think the other thing that's super important which we've touched on is 
I think founder due diligence is um, so critical um, to making sure you are going to enjoy the next few years. Um, not just in terms of, you know, picking the right founder or what they did in the past, but just ensuring they have the right um, personality traits that you're going to match up with. Um, and, you know, I think going forward, what would I do is I'd be spending as much time as possible with them so I get a really good idea if I'm going to work well with them or not. Maybe even kind of an attempt to perm approach for a senior role just so you're not you're not stuck there in case it doesn't work um i think at the minute um finance professionals have got um the, the choice of of where they go and who, who they work with because there seems to be so much uh, work out there for us at the minute yeah yeah um, so, so like the one thing that i've i've i i've noticed is that I think a lot of professionals joining an early stage tech business, knowing there's uncertainty in that, some of the certainty is in the makeup of the founder. And actually the nature of interview processes or any kind of selection process to make a hire, there are two things happening, right? So the candidate is presenting um, a certain face into the business because it's, it's how they perceive they should appear to be hired. I mean, that's just human nature. But on the other side, um, the people that are deciding on the hire and that and that will always be the founders um they're also presenting a certain face and that might not be how they are every day so i can completely see why you can easily form a view that to, to be involved in the business on a temporary basis for a few months to feel everything out completely makes sense yeah and I, I think i think it's worked right and i think um on the flip side as well right i think you need to um people always say oh you know you should do what you love and i kind of thought about that a lot and i kind of don't agree i think you should really do what you're good at i, I i've kind of figured out what i'm good at and that's gonna definitely be what what i um i target going forward and then once i'm in the job i'm you know i feel again i feel like i'm most effective every two years so if i kind of people always say oh you know leave when you stop learning and I, that's that's true but also i think when you become impatient and bored and um you know fds have a reputation for being grumpy i think when you if you turn to be that kind of grumpy grumpy fd i think it's an indicator that you you know you might not be enjoying it and you're potentially outstaying you work you're welcome in which case you know move on and go and do, go and do something different right just because share options vest over a four-year period doesn't mean you have to stay for the whole four years yeah it's interesting and and, and like are there other other sort of tips and other things that you share so so you know we know that um for every one member that joins our group startup cfo there are two people that we don't admit because uh, they don't meet the criteria to join our group uh, and and some of those people are just five ten fifteen years behind us and they want to do ro roles in a, a tech startup or a scale up and they want to learn and then they, they need to get their first role in order to join our group right um for those people that are maybe sort of meeting their first startup founders, looking at their first businesses, are there certain tips that you'd give them to take away? Yeah, I think get um, learn how to delegate and manage properly early. Um, I think that's always going to be helpful because then that gives you the capacity to be able to do more and focus on um, the higher level and more critical stuff. Um, I didn't really properly learn that. Uh, until I became a parent and it came out of a necessity. 
Um, and you know this this will always happen in startups, right? Because you need to roll your sleeves up, and um, the team and the business and the processes is forming as as you go. Um, but the the higher level you can be, as long as the the, the foundations are being looked after, um, the more the more you'll benefit. Um, get get a a mentor. It doesn't need to be a formal mentor, but um, I stayed in touch with a few. Um, a few of the guys, a few of the CFOs, like five or, or 10 years ahead of me um, over the last five years. And you just pick up the odd, um, the odd pearl of wisdom, which helps to shape you. Um, build a relationship with um, other senior um, members. So, you know, marketing director or the chair or, or whatever. Um, and focus on relationships, even though even ones that um, that don't work. I had a, a really good example of someone I didn't get along with. We clashed all the time, and actually, I kind of completely um, changed my outlook and actually made a huge effort with that person. And actually, uh, off the back of it, ended up building a, a wonderful relationship with them, which has actually really benefited my career. Um, so make make an effort with the the softer stuff too. Um, I think um, to, to enter startups, I think you've got kind of, I think for finance, I think it works better if you're a generalist. So I think if you can do uh, lots of things and turn your hand to anything and work things out, that's really good for early stage startups that then suddenly flips when you get to latter stage whereas actually you might need to be um a financial services um expert and have done all your training looking at financial services clients or worked in a bank if you wanted to go and get a job with a fintech so it, it kind of depends on what stage the business is what sector they are but if you just want to en enter a startup um having breadth and be able to cover Cover volume is super helpful. Aaron, so we should look now at what's next, right? So, um, I, I mean, fantastic that you've got this really well thought through career break. Um, I think that makes a huge amount of sense after five years. Uh, but I guess during this time, you are beginning to think about what's next. Yeah, I've not fully made my mind up yet. I think I'm going to try a few things and, and see where I land. Um, and, you know, I think to help me to so I can still sustain myself during that period. Um, I'm going to do some portfolio work. You see, I see lots of people in um, in the group and in the ecosystem doing it. Um, and I think it fits well with what I want to do, because I think most of those um, gigs are with earlier stage businesses. So kind of, you know, C Series A. Um, I think you get a bit of um, a bit of distance as well so you're not um fully involved in in all the weeds and you get to work on some of the more you know exciting stuff and some of the stuff that i think i'm good at such as you know acquisitions and um fundraising support and fdd um and the likes so you know that's i think that's the direction i want i want to head in is um you know start a portfolio career um give me the um 
headspace to um, figure out figure out what's next. Um, and there's been, there's, I think there's been some, so many good opportunities that um, have come my way actually just from um, the successes at Home Tree. Um, like we've got quite a, a varied cap table, and just circling back and uh, talking with you know former investors and um, EIS funds, etc. Um, there's a host of work out there. Um, and yeah, it's super exciting. I saw a couple of um, uh, job posts or gig posts on the uh, network the other day and kind of reached out. And I think there's um, lots of people after the roles as well. So it seems to be um, something else that's um, quite popular at the minute is a portfolio approach. Yeah, it's become increasingly popular the last couple of years. And uh, I'd say that, that, that the key thing really is to get the person with the same well, the same type of motivations as the founder and the person who's got the right levels of experience because actually there's a there's a very broad church in those portfolio people and uh, some people have got really deep experience a bit like yours Aaron and um, some people a bit less so it's just a case as to how much horsepower do you need for that role uh, but that sounds really interesting Aaron and, and, and you know be excited to hear what you do and um, which 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 businesses you kind of pick up and focus on, and uh, look, I've 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 really enjoyed you know hearing about all of your experience and um, how you've kind of figured out which businesses fit for you, and you've really um, you know collected quite a broad spectrum of experience, and all of it seems to have helped you you know particularly at Home Tree, and I think certainly in your future roles as portfolio. So um, thank you very much for finding the time. It's been really great to talk through these things. Thanks, Guy. My pleasure. You are listening to CFO Insights brought to you by Startup CFO. If you're a finance professional working in disruptive tech and seek to join our group, just email us at join at startupcfo.tech. This podcast was a part of our CFO Insights series. We release new episodes every two weeks, so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.